This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Hello, my name is Michelle DeGrazia. I'm the Director of Nursing Research for the Newborn Intensive Care Unit at Boston Children's Hospital. I have also served as the Chair of the Nursing Research Council at Boston Children's Hospital for the past several years. As Chair, I provide oversight for the Nursing Research Council and its subcommittees, one of which is evidence-based practice. This subcommittee has been involved in the development of the Evidence-Based Practice Mentorship Program. We are here today to discuss development and implementation of this novel enterprise-wide program that was designed for highly motivated nurses who are committed to applying the best scientific evidence with the hope to improve patient care and achieve the best possible outcomes. To begin, I'd like to introduce my colleagues. Carol is a board-certified pediatric nurse practitioner and nurse practice specialist for the Boston Children's Hospital Neuroscience Programs. She has served as chair and co-chair of the Nursing Research Council Evidence-Based Practice Subcommittee. She has been an advocate and leader for EBP since 2004 and helped conceptualize, develop, and edit program materials for the program. Ethan holds a Doctor of Nursing Practice degree and is a board-certified pediatric critical care nurse practitioner for the Medical Surgical ICU at Boston Children's. He is a strong proponent of evidence-based practice and thus this was his focus for his DMP scholarly project. Ethan serves as the current NRC Evidence-Based Practice Subcommittee Chair and helped to conceptualize, develop, and edit program materials for the program. Dennis is a board-certified nursing professional development specialist for the Centralized Nursing Education, Clinical Education, and Informatics Department at Boston Children's. In his role, Dennis facilitates the Centralized Nursing Orientation Programs role development workshops, and consults with department leaders to assess and meet the needs of staff. As the EPP-MP coordinator, Dennis collaborates with program leaders, mentors, and participants to assure a meaningful experience to achieve program outcomes. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for having us. Let's start with you, Carol. Can you please describe the historical underpinnings of evidence-based practice at Boston Children's? Sure. In 2005, approximately 200 nurses attended a two-day workshop on-site facilitated by Drs. Melnick and Feinout Overholt. The workshop ignited an institution-wide movement with participation and knowledge sharing. At this point, it was recognized a structure was needed for EBP, and the Nursing Research Council designed an evidence-based practice subcommittee. A cohort of 10 nurses with varying credentials and from various practice areas who served on the subcommittee were invited by hospital leadership to attend Dr. Melnick's five-day EBP immersion mentorship program. Following the program, the EBP subcommittee began to meet monthly. From the work of the subcommittee, workshops were offered to nursing staff to guide them to understand the steps of EBP and begin to investigate their own questions. The workshops and in-services uncovered a gap in that there was not a, a useful measure of current EBP knowledge. So what happened after that? Well, this led to the development of the Quick EBP VIC tool. It was recognized from the subcommittee meetings that a useful measure of EBP was needed. So two of the members, the 
subcommittee's co-chairs at the time, enrolled in a survey development course and designed, piloted, and validated the Quick EVP VIC. The survey, which is the tool to measure nurses' value, implementation, and knowledge of EVP, is being used with our mentees as they begin and end the mentorship program. Why was this important to identify the gaps in knowledge and implementation of EVP? Well, the survey tool was instrumental as a catalyst for the development of the mentorship program. Once we identified that EBP was valued by the nurses, we designed the program to address knowledge deficits in the EBP process and implementation once recommendations for practice were identified. Multimedia tools were developed as well as personal one-on-one -on -one support to assure the information was clear to the mentees and to respond to different styles of learning. So once you had the evidence that more work was needed to ensure there was a culture of EBP across the institution, um, what next? So we brought the findings to the CNO and Nurse Executive Committee for Research and Inquiry, who charged the EBP subcommittee with the responsibility of developing a robust program to support nursing EBP clinical inquiry. We were specifically asked to organize the program in such a way that, that the education would proliferate across the enterprise. They also wanted us to be sure that the program promoted dissemination locally at the unit base level and also at the institution and national levels. So that was some important steps to getting the program off to a right start. Ethan, I'd like to now kind of bring the discussion to you. Um, the CNO and Nurse Executive Committee for Research and Inquiry supported a retreat for the subcommittee in the spring of 2015. Um, can you please describe um, for us what emerged from that retreat? Yeah, yes. Uh, so we um, recognized several things. The first was that we already have a strong core of EBP mentors and that uh, they're essential to building an institutional culture of EBP because they're really the ones that support uh, bedside nurses at the point of care. We also realized that EBP is not simply knowledge, but rather a skill that has to be practiced and perfected. So um, we believe that mentorship uh, could be um, a vehicle to building a larger group of EBP content experts. Uh, we also understood that uh, using an organized but self-directed curriculum uh, could empower bedside nurses uh, to not only learn EBP, uh, but also be proficient in it. And uh, lastly, we discussed uh, at great length uh, the need to garner leadership support for the program that we were about to develop. So it sounds like um, the retreat was really productive. Um, and were there some next steps then at that, at that point? Yes. Uh, so next we brought uh, a report of the retreat uh, to the Nurse Executive Committee for Research and Inquiry. Uh, this was back in September of 2015. Uh, it included uh, a tentative outline for the proposed program, and it was unanimously supported by senior leadership. And so at that point, we set a timeline uh, for a spring 2016 rollout, uh, which meant the subcommittee needed to, uh, to work on the curriculum right away. And so uh, we first set out to refine the EBP process into a logical progression. Initially, we conceived of a 12-step program that was ultimately tailored into a seven-step process, uh, whereby the participant generates a clinical practice question, uh, gathers the evidence, evaluates it, synthesizes it into a clinical practice recommendation, uh, and then disseminates it internally and externally. And this process was operationalized in a multifaceted approach uh, and included a workbook and uh, 10 online educational modules. Interesting. Now, can you tell me a little bit more about the workbook and the education modules? Yes, the workbook was created to keep participants organized. Uh, it also served 
as a record for program completion. The seven-step EBP process is outlined throughout the workbook. Uh, here you can see an example of step three, which is collecting the evidence. It lists specific learning activities that the participants must complete. So in this section, you can see uh, that they have three net learning modules to complete, such as literature search overview or finding high-level evidence quickly. Uh, they have to review selected readings. They have to schedule an education session with the hospital librarian and then meet with their mentor. Uh, additionally, we have supplemental readings for them and then also what to expect uh, in the upcoming steps. And then finally, and I think most importantly, we have a completion date with a signature at the very bottom uh, so that we can keep a record of how long it took them to complete the step and also so that their mentor uh, can sign off that they have met all these objectives. There are many key activities throughout the steps, uh, such as meeting with their director or nurse manager to secure support for the project focus. Uh, they have to meet with the hospital librarian to learn how to conduct a search for the evidence. Uh, they have to populate an evidence table, create a professional poster, uh, and also uh, meet with the EBP subcommittee uh, so that they can receive critical feedback. And the workbook is meant to keep them organized. We included uh, meeting and activity logs uh, because, as you can see, they have to meet with managers, directors, uh, the subcommittee, and most importantly, their mentors. So Ethan, you've discussed earlier on the mentorship role. Can you describe how that fits with the program? Yeah, so mentees advance through the program with guidance of an EBP expert mentor. Mentors consisted of the EBP subcommittee members and the role of the mentor um, is to provide anticipatory guidance to identify relevant resources to help the mentee navigate a complex institution uh, to assess, validate, promote individual growth, uh, and encourage them to get through the program uh, by making sure that they're completing each of the steps. It sounds as if the mentors play an important role. Can you also explain how the participants were selected and enrolled in the program? So enrollment in the first cohorts was through recommendation of unit-based leadership for nurses that were interested in evidence-based practice. We recommended they provide participants with approximately 12 hours of project time per six weeks. Mm -hmm. The program kickoff was March 11th of 2016 with a cohort of 13 mentees. Uh, we had a guest speaker uh, who was an, a nationally recognized EBP expert uh, was brought in to uh, help inspire the participants and emphasize uh, the importance of evidence-based practice. And our second cohort, uh, which started in the spring of 2017, uh, enrolled 26 mentees, and uh, we kicked it off in the same fashion with another nationally recognized DBP expert. There are many evidence-based practice programs out there. Um, can you explain to us how this program differs from the other ones? So many programs that facilitate nurses' knowledge and use of EBP are similar in that they follow the same progression. They have the nurse ask the clinical question, collect the evidence, and then appraise it. And educational programs often do this in a burst method where the nurse is away from the bedside in a three-day or one-week format. And uh, this program is unique in that we allow mentees a full 12 months uh, to complete their projects at their own pace. And the strength of the program comes from its structure, though self-directed approach. We all know that clinical inquiry takes time and the usual activities of life can sometimes get in the way of moving a project forward. And the program's flexibility is important uh, to nurses who may have many roles within and outside the institution. And so this combined with individualized mentorship, uh, which helps to keep them on track, uh, is what we believe are the, the real keys to the program's success. And I think that the, the mentor component is critical uh, because they can support the mentee throughout the whole process. Mm -hmm. We're going to stop now for a minute while Ethan asks a question of our viewers. As you respond, please leave your city and country location. 
What opportunities are available at your institution to support nurses' use and implementation of EBP? And now back to our discussion. This is great, and it leads us right up to uh, Dennis. So Dennis, um, tell us about your role in the program. You come from a different uh, angle with the professional development perspective. Yeah, I'd say that um, I'm pretty in tune to the participants' experiences and um, making sure that they're as meaningful as possible. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of uh, checking in with participants, checking in with the mentors to make sure that they are you know, progressing through the program at, you know, as, as close to an appropriate rate as to complete it in this 12 months that we sort of allow them to participate in it. So it's, it, 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 it's a lot of um, checking in with emails through our special social media platform, face-to-face. -face. I'm out and about in the hospital, so I'm seeing these nurses all over the place. So it's constantly like, hey, how's your EBP project going? And I get to hear a lot from them about um, where they're at, what they've learned so far, where they're going. And then sometimes when there's, you know, trials and tribulations, they're able to, you know, clue me into that and I'm able to help them navigate the system so that we can resolve it. So um, your role is really um, about supporting the program and helping those mentors and mentees. I imagine the role requires that you sometimes intervene with certain situations. How do you handle that? Yeah, I think that it's, um, it's, it's a delicate situation sometimes. Uh, first and first and foremost, the the nurses are here for patients, mm -hmm. so their EBP project might not always be the priority of the you know what's going on at the bedside. They have to be there, and if there's you know an LOA or sick calls, they might not get the time away from the bedside to complete you know whatever stage that that they might be on. But being in tune to that and being able to go back to their leadership or check in with their mentor or bring the program leadership into the mix to sort of navigate um, each nurse's progress is, is um, I think, helpful for supporting them through the entire program. Now we're going to stop for a minute. Dennis has a question for our viewers. When you respond, please leave your city and country location. What barriers have you encountered while trying to conduct EBP at your facility? And now back to our discussion. Thank you all for sharing um, your experience uh, with this particular program and um, the efforts that you've put forth to make this program a success. I know you all have been working very hard at it for a couple of years now. I'd like to switch gears for a minute and listen to what some of the mentors and mentees have to say about the program. A lot has changed since finishing my EBP project. The first thing was is that I was invited to speak at Nurses Week at the morning of clinical inquiry. Um, after that, I did submit my poster and abstract to two national conferences. It was accepted at one national conference as a poster presentation, and it was accepted at the other one as a concurrent podium presentation. Um, also, I was invited to be a guest lecturer at Boston College to talk about EBP and to talk about my project. Um, it's been great. I've been able to meet people that I wouldn't have ever meet, met before. I've been able to network on a national level. And as a result of the networking on a national level, I was invited by one of the groups to be on their national research committee.
Um, so one of the most rewarding experiences for me has been to help nurses um, advance up the clinical ladder. So being a mentor, uh, being an EBP mentor has really aligned with that so well. And I I really love seeing uh, nurses at the bedside, boots on the ground, to develop a question um, and then have a beautiful body of work and then have that move on to a practice change. Um, I love empowering nurses to do that. And I, I love seeing when all this comes together from EBP and goes on to a quality improvement project and then goes on to a research project and ultimately a publication. That's probably one of the biggest rewards, um, one of the biggest honors that I have in my career at Children's Hospital. Being a nurse at the bedside for 20 years, I was looking to advance my practice out of the clinical bedside arena. They put my name forward to uh, the evidence-based practice mentorship program. And after doing all of the the steps and the work, um, it was an amazing experience. And now I look around my unit constantly for um, things that we could study or improvements that we could make based on science. And so it's just opened my eyes to every part of um, the unit where I work on a daily basis. Like, oh, what could what, what could we study next? After starting the evidence-based practice uh, mentorship program, I had to come up with an idea. And in thinking about uh, my unit and where I work, um, one, I work in the recovery room, which is a PACU, um, and we deal with a lot of post-op nausea and vomiting. So there are not me- very many interventions that we are able to um, give patients to help with that. Um, they receive an antiemetic in the OR or in the procedural area, and then as recovery room nurses, is not uh, much that we can offer them. But one thing that we do do is give IV fluid with dextrose. And I wanted to see if um, there was any literature or research to support that idea or if it was just something that had been started um, for unknown reasons way back when. Um, So just trying to see if there's any science to um, support the idea of actually giving the dextrose. So the evidence did support giving uh, IV fluid with dextrose after uh, symptoms of post-op nausea and vomiting to decrease any further symptoms or to alleviate the symptoms. Can you describe some of the um, outcomes from the yeah, program? Yeah, from an individual standpoint, we want them to complete the, pro- the, the complete the mentorship program mm-hmm. by presenting, disseminating their work. For most, it's going to be a poster presentation at our Nurses Week. For others, it might be presenting a podium, um, a, a podium session about their work that they've mm-hmm. done in the mentorship program. Some are submitting to national conferences and being accepted to present their work there. So dissemination is huge. The other thing that's been really great is some of these these projects have turned into practice changes. So um, nurse completing the project has been able to influence the the the, the culture in their immediate area to um, you know in some cases get in physician buy in to from the results of of their project um, to to change practice, mm-hmm. which is, is really, really, really remarkable and what evidence-based practice is all about. So a lot of the projects you're saying are changing practice really across disciplines. It's not just uh, strictly nursing in, practice, absolutely. right, in, in some in cases? Some, in, in some cases, I think that what's been really fascinating is, is, is to see that, is to see that like the nurse 
asking a question from a nurse's point of view and then real you know realizing that they they need a champion mm-hmm. on the physician side of things or, or, or from another discipline to be able to make it work and, and in some cases that that has happened and that's that's incredible so uh, pretty impressive outcomes so far thank you everybody thanks for it's been us. a great conversation thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.